Good evening. Welcome to another episode of Pod Like a Hole. It is February 29th. We will not have another day like this for four years. And wait, is that how uh, leap years work? Did I get that right? <laughs> you got it right. Okay. Yep. And in, in just like four years, tonight, there are four of us. You have Mark and Eric and Steven here to discuss David Bowie as usual. But also in this episode, we will be discussing David Bowie and Queen and their fantastic single, Under Pressure. And joining us is our friend, Ryan. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Hello, Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Hey, guys. Eric, will you please say hi to Ryan? <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, good evening, Ryan. It's a pleasure. Your warmth can be felt over the airwaves tonight. Thanks for joining us. So, uh, yes, Ryan is another Sacramento area pal from our groups of pals. And uh, Ryan, what's your story? Which, what are you all about? What am I all about? Uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm a musician. I'm a working single father. Just killing it every day. You know what I mean? I don't know what else to say. Uh, I love music. I love, you know, Queen of David Bowie. So he's got to count for something today. That, 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 yeah, <laughs> we didn't want to have a, a, you know, counterpoint talk tonight with somebody that didn't like either of those things. <laughs> right. Um, so David Bowie, are you, you a longtime David Bowie fan? I mean, everybody seems to be. But, you know, do you have a do you have a story about your first time thinking about David Bowie? Was it the cod piece? In Labyrinth, what, what was it? <laughs> well, that's probably the first time I ever saw David Bowie. And, uh, you know, I thought he was really cool, you know, when I was a kid. But um, I, I guess musically, you know, my dad, guitar player, loves, um, you know, rock and roll music. Uh, loves Ziggy Stardust and Spiders from Mars. Big Mick Ronson fan, you know, his guitar player. So, I mean, that was kind of how I was first introduced to him. Um and you know, I during high school I wasn't I was more into like what was coming out in the time, you know, I wasn't really listening to older stuff as much. So um, it wasn't until I worked at Dimple that I really got into like Hunky Dory and some of his other albums that I really, you know, kinda got obsessed with for a while. That is a, a familiar story on multiple levels and <laughs> yes. Uh, everyone here is we we all worked in the Dimple trenches. So it's uh Yep. This this might be the first time we've had four people from Dimple on here. I, I've lost track. It seems that more people work at Dimple <laughs> than I can even remember. Yeah, me and Eric worked together. We and, did. Uh, we did. Yes. Ryan, am I crazy? Were you in a band back then? Something bandstand? Something? Some was band, that. I was in a band. I was in no, a few I, bands. I felt like there was that was in the name, or maybe I'm crazy. No, no. Okay. No. I was like in new, a couple different new metal bands back then. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. Yeah. Ryan, you were, you were in the Little People though, weren't you? The little People, they were they were fun. They were, uh, uh, I, I believe, the front man was a uh, the artist known as Skinner, who's world renowned now. So yeah, there you go. Yep. <laughs> I just found uh, all of my old CDs from that band. I have about three hundred of them that I never sold. And I told Skinner that the other day when I was talking to him, and he. He started laughing so hard because he threw all this away. He's like, why do you have those? <laughs> well, not everybody has a bunch of, you know, uh, not everybody's doing album covers for Mastodon now. All right. So you can get a yeah. hold on to that stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, 
Yeah, well, it's too bad the dimple's not around anymore, so you can't mm. just go stand out front of one of them and sell them there. I know, it's a real bummer. So, in regards to uh, Queen, when I think of Queen, I actually think of you. Oh. I don't know when when that association started, but at some <laughs> point it did. And uh, what's your what's your what's your deal with Queen? Uh, yeah, so like Queen, I think uh, originally, I think when Wayne's World, I mean, I obviously I I knew who Queen was, but Wayne's World came out, and then I realized my dad had the record of um, A Night at the Opera. And so obviously I wanted to hear Bohemian Rhapsody, but then I heard all the other songs on there, which that whole album is amazing from start to finish. So, um, you know, like uh, death on two legs is probably one of my favorite songs on that album. Anyway, not to get off track, but, um, that's kind of where I started. And then, uh, again, like around the dimple times, uh, that's when I really got into all the albums and I, I dug in and I mean, for like decades, like for the next like two decades, I would just listen to Queen at least once a week. I mean, it, it was they were one of my favorite bands. You probably associate me with them because I always had a picture of Freddie Mercury or something on my MySpace page or Facebook page. That sounds then. about right. Yeah, that's probably why everyone thinks of me when they think of Queen. <laughs> there's there's worse people to associate yourself with. Yeah, totally. I agree. <laughs> Mark, you know, you and I have known each other since we were kids. We don't talk about Queen much, though. I don't know. Uh, I don't think I could. I don't think I could tell you where you stand on Queen. I uh, I don't want to say that I'm indifferent because I, I think that sounds a little too harsh. Um, they're a band that uh, I've always appreciated. Um, my introduction to Queen was probably. Uh, similar to what you guys were saying, the Wayne's world, Bohemian Rhapsody opening, uh, you know, my dad, after we watched that movie in the theater, we went over to our uh, local record store, which happened to be dimple at the time. And he bought night at the opera on cassette. Um, well, that's, because that's two, that's two dads with two night of the operas tonight. Let's see if we yeah. can go four for four. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, uh, that was pretty much my big, uh, introduction to them he had another record by them um it has the song we are the champions and uh ryan help me out what what album is that um we are the champions is on day at the is no it's not day at the races is it uh no that doesn't sound right i think the album cover has like kind of this robotic kind of looking person oh yeah news of the world bingo yep yep and so that was the other Queen album that we had in the household. And uh, I probably just kind of dabbled with that one. You know, We Are the Champions and uh, I think another one, Bites the Dust, is on there too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pretty much it. And then um, Queen, I always kind of appreciated their hits are smash hits. Um, I will have to say, I haven't seen the movie, uh, but Bohemian Rhapsody, the movie, uh, it seemed to sour me a little bit on the idea of me going through one of my patent run-throughs, but I feel like I owe it to Queen because of what their place is in rock history um, to really give them a day in court. Um, and listening to, or actually talking to, a passionate fan may absolutely tip me over the, the edge on uh, actually getting into Queen a little bit more. Yeah. I, you know, the thing about the movie, because I went and saw it, obviously, right when it came out, I kind of went into it. I mean, like I was going to see a Rocky Mentary mo- movie. I, I don't know. I 
I just don't like those kind of movies. Biopics. Know, uh, biopics. Yeah, biopics. Worst, That's worst, what I meant, not Rocky. The worst genre. Yeah. And <laughs> wow. None of them Says are. me. Says me. <laughs> they're, gar- they're garbage. They're garbage. They're just they're, like. I mean, they're like, even... little, like, like, uh, like uh, navel gazing. Uh, hey, man. You know, poems Walk on the Line there. is a fantastic movie. Walk the it's, Line is not bad. It's all right. It's a B plus. <laughs> Listen, all right. that is a good movie. I, this I know, is a, I know, this I know is it's a, a fine s- movie, but as a musician, whenever I'm watching actors pretend to play music like on instruments, it drives me crazy because I know that they don't <laughs> play the instrument because I can tell. <laughs> and it, and that always just it drives me nuts. I, I can't not look and just get like, okay, whatever. These yeah, guys. That was a B flat. Instruments. That was a B flat, and he was clearly playing <laughs> an A. I'm, I am the. I'm the same way when people play video games and movies. Believe me, I get it. <laughs> um, so, uh, Eric, what's your? I, I feel. I feel like you're more uh, uh, neutral, good, or whatnot for for Queen. Yeah, yeah, we're 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 definitely a Queen family. I actually got into them the same way you guys did between Wayne's World and Mighty Ducks. I was primed to like Queen <laughs> as a child, and I think like when I was around eleven or so, we were on a a big long like family road trip one summer, and my parents like bought the Greatest Hits tape, the one with the purple cover, purple and gold cover. Um, Mm-hmm. for that trip and we listened to it probably 30 times and we're singing on all the songs uh and so like those hits were just like lodged in my personality for a very long time um and i check out stuff here and there listen to an album here and there and then when i um got together with uh heather who would end up being my wife she had that um that like velvet box set that had all the records in it all, all the albums and uh, I was like, all right, I'm going to do a patented Mark run through and, and listen to all of them, which I did. And, and, and some of it's less for me than others, but um, they're all kind of rewarding experiences. It's hard not to like appreciate what's going on. I mean, like, aren't like half the guys in there, like doctors in physics, you know, like they're, they're like super smart guys yeah. making, making rock music. It's, it's kind of mind blowing. Um, and then a couple songs, like, like the song killer queen, in my opinion, is like, the best like theme song for a band of all time. It's so goddamn good. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I got into them quite a bit. Uh, and um, I, nowadays uh, I've got my songs I like, but um, I don't, you know, they're definitely like hovering in my top 20 of bands, you know, somewhere. Um, just, uh, just the theatrics and the song crafting is, is so good. But my, my, my son took a liking to them quite a bit. And um you know, he's learned some songs uh, on the drums and on the uh, keyboard uh, for Queen, which is kind of fun to hear him play. So, yeah. Anyways. Excellent. Uh, yeah, I actually, um, the Wayne's World thing checks out. And around that time, my dad showed me that he had a copy of Night at the Opera on vinyl, which I actually, uh, he gave it to me. I still have that. And I can't remember, I mean, that tribute to Freddie Mercury after he died, was that before or after Wayne's World? Anybody? 
Nobody. Uh, Ooh, I, I'm. I don't. Yeah. Sorry. Not. A it's after. It's it's after. Because uh, Wayne's World was ninety, nineteen ninety, right? All right. Ninety one. I thought. The. Ninety two. Like Wayne's World and Terminator. Oh. Yeah. One early memory also of mine of Queen, obviously, was at that tribute. When Elton John and uh, did Bohemian Rhapsody and Axl Rose came out and sang the ass kicking part, that was. Uh, <laughs> I still think that's one of the fucking coolest things I've ever seen. Nice. And uh, yeah, I, I never became a super fan. I really should give all their albums a front to back. I've listened to a couple of them all the way through, but uh, yeah, I I I I owe it to myself to dig a little deeper. But you know, some of their yeah, you can't deny their hits, like Mark said. And also, I don't think it's a hit, but I love that uh, bicycle song. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, I think with song. with their, uh, you know, if you go an album at a time, just in chronological order, uh, you know, their self-titled album, Queen's Amazing, Queen 2 is amazing. And those two, I, you know, there are, there are some, uh, what do you call it when there's like three songs in a row? I can't think of the term for that. Uh, but they all lead into each other. There's, there's one particular one with uh, like, it's called like, Tenement Funster and Lily of the Valley. I can't remember what it is, but it's like one of the best. Uh, just God, I can't. I trifectas. Can't, tri, yeah, it's like a trifecta of songs, I guess you call it. And they just lead into another. And one of them is written by the drummer. And it's an amazing song about like, you know, when he, he was poor and living in an apartment. <laughs> like, it's just it's so great. Like, they have so many great songs that like, you know, the probably one of the reasons I couldn't think of what album uh, we are the champions was on off the top of my head is because it's like one of my least favorite songs of theirs. Sure. Cause there's so many other great songs. I mean, that are just so impressive, like the, the composition and just the vocals, how they layer his vocals. I mean, or how he layered his vocals in the studio. It's just mind blowing. I don't think anyone's ever done anything like that since. It's great. Yeah. yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. When it when he when it needs to be, there's like five Freddies happening at once, and it's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's your take on uh, such bands as The Darkness? Um, uh, I, I think that they really um, are influenced by Queen to the point where you could say they're almost imitating them. Uh, are, are, are they in any of your, uh, uh, on your radar or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when they first came out, I was absolutely in love with that band. Um I, you know, he sings all in all only in falsetto pretty much. I mean, it's very rare that he's not singing falsetto. So, uh, you know, I, th- I think he has less range than Freddie Mercury did because he could do anything pretty much. Um, and I think this guy probably could too, but for the music they're playing, he mainly goes high pitched, you know, and I, that's fine because I love it. But I mean, on one of his, I can't remember which album it was uh, of theirs. Uh, I think it was their third album. They covered a Radiohead song. They covered S- Street Spirit. No, it was I, it was absolutely wild. amazing. I mean, it was I just will. like I would never <laughs> thought, you know, but then you hear it and you're like, it makes so much sense. It's like so they're a great band, too. And yeah, I feel the same way for them. If there's anyone coming close to like that kind of like just epic sound, like I, I don't know, it's just that 
it, it's got to be uh, what's his name? It's like uh, Justin something or I can't remember his name, but right. That guy's awesome. Yeah. Bombast is the word I would I would use. Bombast. <laughs> <clears throat> so and, and the reason we're here tonight is the. Vanilla Ice inspiring track Under Pressure and <laughs> is when David Bowie and Queen were happened to be recording in the same uh, studio or yeah, the same building and just uh, kind of tossed this one off. Isn't that a Eric? This was this wasn't planned for months or anything. It kind of was a, a, a just a, a, a happenstance, if you will. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, they were recording Hot Space, their 1982 album, and um, uh, Bowie was working in his his the, the mountain studios that he likes in uh, Montreux, Switzerland, um, and he was actually recording his vocals for the cat people song that we'll get into in the, in the official episode coming up. But, um, you know, they, they, they brought him on to collaborate on a track called cool cat. And he laid down some vocals and fucking hated them. He's he, Bowie was like, ah, this doesn't work. Scrap it, scrap it. And, um, how do you feel about the song? Cool cat, Ryan. Um, you know, I don't even remember it off that album. There's only a few songs on that album I remember. There's uh, Body Language, obviously. Right. And uh, the first song, I, the first song on the album's great. I can't remember what that's called, it's, but yeah, it's not my favorite era of Queen, but it's still, sure. you know, it's still good and everything. It's yeah. just not as memorable to me. Does that album have um, Ra- uh, Radio Gaga on it? Oh, I don't know. I don't think I don't think it's on that one. Okay, it well, might be. Yeah, anyways, Cool Cat, they ended up releasing, but they cut Bowie's performance out of it at Bowie's request. He um, he just thought it sounded uh, it sounded bad. So, um, yeah. Uh, anyways, um, but then they were jamming. Uh, Queen was jamming, and Bowie just kind of came in for a little, a little jam session. And um, there is, like, some conflicting stories on who wrote that bass line. But I, when it all comes down to it, it's Queen's bassist. I think when you when you look at and, and Bowie always gave credit to um, Deacon John Deacon uh, for for Deacon is like very humble. He doesn't remember writing that bass line. He actually credited to Bowie, but Bowie's like, no, that was Deacon. And it was during this era that John Deacon was kind of in a way taking taking the reins on Queen. Like another one bites the dust was a few albums earlier. Like his like thumping bass lines were. He always had like a song or two where he was like front and center for queen. Uh, and, um, uh, anyways, so his baseline, they kind of went from there and there was a lot of scatting involved and, uh, in their little jam session without actual lyrics. And then they built, they built it from there. Does that sound about right? Anybody know any more about it? Yeah, that's my understanding of it as well. I know that there was some, uh, you know, I think that we went back and forth on who created that baseline, but ultimately everyone for the most part agreed it was, it was Deaky or Don, John Deacon. Right. Yeah. And um, yeah. And uh, if, if I understand correctly uh, in, in the trades that I've read is that uh, neither of them thought much was going to come uh, of, uh, of the song. Um, they, they didn't, they, they, they were just kind of like, ah, this is all right. You know, I don't know if this is, if this needs to be in any of our, our records um, <laughs> and which is mind boggling. And so they released it just as a single, I believe. Uh, 
Was it a sing? Was it was it a single? Was it for uh, you know, was it, was it for some kind of a uh, you know, Farm Aid or anything? It no, was, I guess it was no, just a single. No, it was a single, and then um, and then and then yeah. they, then they dropped it on the rest. So Eric, you're talking about that bass player. Yes. John Deacon. John Deacon. Yep. Uh, Baseline started there. They they messed around with some scatting vocals over it, and uh, you know a little guitar noodlery, but nothing too crazy. And uh, you got a song. Bam! You got a stew going. Um, but uh, we've heard that baseline before, haven't we, Steve? Yes, of course. It was from the. Uh, we heard it as as kids. Uh, we, is Vanilla Ice has uh, sampled it for Ice Ice Baby, obviously. That's not a revelation. Everyone here probably heard it first before they might have heard Under Pressure. Have uh, you ever seen that interview with Vanilla Ice where when they talk, like he was interviewed about how <laughs> they had to pay all those royalties to, you know, the Queen Estate or whatever um, for not crediting the song. And he was like, but it's not the same bass line. He's like, in the yeah. song, it was da 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 But when I did it, it was da 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 and it's like one note. It's like yes. a one note. Anyways, it, his way of explaining it is pretty funny. But uh, anyways. But even though it has the bass line, doesn't it use that little piano plink too? Sure does. I think it does. Dun, dun. Yeah. Yeah. Bong, come on. Bong. Yeah. Yeah. Nice try, Vanilla. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, hey, you yeah. can flip. You can flip houses, but you can't flip songs, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was released as a single. <clears throat> they didn't think it was uh, gonna be. Anything worth a damn, they released it as a single, and it was a smash hit. Uh, I don't know how this really lines up, but one of my earliest memories was in Lincoln watching a Casey Kasem countdown, and even though I feel like this had to be a few years later, I don't know if he was doing a, like the best songs of the 80s so far or something, but that video was definitely on there. Uh, the video is very memorable to me, and I don't think either of them appear in the video. It's, no, just, it's just it's stock footage, right? Yeah, it's kind of like a Kony Yaskotsky kind of thing. It's like, you know, footage of people working, footage of nature, footage of uh, people just grinding away who are under pressure. That's about it. But uh, I think with the, the rising action of the song, the clip, they cut it together so it kind of moves faster and faster towards the end of it, and it, it's great. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, that's how they put the song together, and the critical reaction is everybody loves this song. Everybody did love this song. And I'm sure the four of us think this is a, a work of art. What do you, Mark? So, Mark, this is easily probably in your top 20 Bowie songs. I just have a gut feeling. Like, I've heard you say it before. <laughs> that you have. And I would absolutely uh, concur with that sentiment. Uh, I think it's one of the greatest duets and uh, one of the greatest songs of all time. Uh, the little back and forth between Bowie and uh, Freddie Mercury is uh, something to behold. I mean, if you think about it, uh, this song really does have it all. It has the hand claps, it has some vocal warm-ups. Um, it's got Freddie Mercury doing the okay. Uh, you got the people of the street. Uh, and of course, the most recognizable bass line in all of human history. Um, this song is just something else. Uh, the other evening, I was enjoying a little bit of uh, uh, Daddy's Gummy Bears. 
and listening to this song and headphones really <laughs> brings it to life. Uh, you've got Freddie Mercury just playing chess master, just sparring it out with Bowie. Um, and I could like just listen to this song once a day for the rest of my life to just really, uh, really bring me up. Uh, it's got church organs. It's got everything you could possibly ask for. It is, uh, it's a, just a fine work of art. You know, really? Yeah. What you say about how if you listen to it once a day to bring you up, it is very interesting. It's a very, uh, empathetic song, obviously. Uh, under pressure, kind of, you know, singing about everybody's kind of under pressure. But yeah, when I listen to it, I always get a sense of relief. And it's the subject matter, but also the rising action in the last uh, 45 seconds of the song. Um, you can't beat it. It's, uh, you know, it's right around you know, the, 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 the guitar. The, I, I kind of, Brian May starts doing kind of a uh, Pete Townsend anthemic, anthemic guitar strum. And it has the, you know, is it, you know, is it give love one more chance? Is that what he's saying? You know, I believe so. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And he starts, you know, give love, give love, give them. And then David, and then their voices kind of, they gel together and it's just, uh, it's, it gives you goosebumps just talking about it. It's awesome. It's a, they really, on this, for, for, a sense of rising action. It's, it's up there with the best of the songs where they managed to subtly just turn it to 11. And before you realize it, you're like, shit, I think I have a tear in my eye. So it's just, <laughs> you can't beat it. Ryan. Uh, I mean, you probably, do you listen to the song once a day? Do you at least uh, think about it once a day? <laughs> I, I probably hear it uh, at least once a week. Cause I listen to the radio in my car. Cause uh, you know, I'm just, I don't have a long commute and I just do. But I love how it builds to this crescendo and then it just like releases and you feel, I don't know, I, I feel like you guys articulate it a lot better than I do, than I'm going to be able to. But, um, you know, it, it just builds up to this thing. And then, it, like you said, with uh, Brian May uh, going into that Townsend-esque uh, the whole chord progression, it just like gets you going every single time. Uh, I, I'm kind of bummed that I didn't know about this like i had to hear it from uh you know vanilla ice first kind of <laughs> because you know vanilla ice i remember yeah. i was you, you, i i was watching the movie gross point blank when i first heard under pressure and i was like wait why are they playing a vanilla ice song oh, and then yeah. all of a sudden i i was I, about to I, bring I that movie up that. too oh you were <laughs> no that's where that's yeah. where i first like really heard it and i was like that's a good song who even is that because i didn't even know who it was and then i bought the gross point <laughs> blank soundtrack because i love that movie anyway but i bought the gross point blank soundtrack and i was like this is queen with david bowie are you fucking kidding me <laughs> like where did this come sorry from? can like, i can i interject and i'm gonna let you get you back to the thing here but <laughs> i i actually watched that last weekend again i've, I've seen it a lot <laughs> but I, I like there's a joke um uh you know scott ackerman of comedy bang bang had like he had like a tweet a couple years ago it was like i love the song under pressure because it tells me uh when my characters in my favorite movies are getting stressed out because <laughs> it's used it's used in so many movies uh but i love how it's used in that movie because it's just a great like funny dark comedy movie but yeah. in like the one moment where he's like oh i could have a future where i'm not killing people i'm actually making life he's looking at this baby and that song plays. It's great. Yeah. It's a great moment. It's, it's like the best used in that in that movie. So it, sorry. Go on. 
No, I, I mean, you know, I was I was pretty much done. But I mean, you know, I associate it with the first time I ever heard it being like in the theater seeing that movie and being like, what is this? I didn't even know this existed. And, you know, it's obviously two of my favorite musicians of all time. So it, it's just the ultimate for me. Nice. Keep coming up with love, but it's so slashed and torn. The way that they were able actually to put this song together, I mean, when you focus on it, have either of you, any of you guys listened to the isolated vocal tracks of this with the, the Freddie Mercury bebopping? <laughs> no, yes. I never have. Yes. Yeah, Eric, you listen to that. You can, Ryan, you can Google it. Just Google under pressure isolated vocal track. Yeah. And it's it's actually him and Bowie. And it's just, a, you know, and... You know, it's around like the one minute, 30 second part yeah. of the song where at the same time you've got Bowie going. Oh, 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 mm. <laughs> and there's no reason it should have worked. It really does sound like they're no, fucking around when you listen to it by itself. Well, they were able to, uh, you know, <laughs> it's a very that, weird song. It is. It's, it's extremely weird. It's a, I, a, a strange I, pace. Can I say, um, you know, What's great about this is it's not Bowie and Freddie sparring on vocals. Bowie knows he's outmatched when it comes to range. Like Freddie can, mm-hmm. Freddie can hit the rafters and the low and the panels. Like uh, uh, Bowie's a great singer. I uh, obviously we're doing a podcast about him. We love him, but he knows his range. So mm-hmm. his his input is very much like strategic. Like he he does what he does best when it needs to be done. And Freddie's just all over the place the rest of the song in a great way. In a great way. And I and and uh I would say scatting would not be in my um my top favorite vocal stylings, but you don't even notice it in the song until you know it's there. And and it's yeah. so beautiful how it's used. It's fantastic. No, it, yeah, they're they're both they are artists and then they're using their voices to do more than just sing. They're yeah, they're 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 really it's almost like a Jackson Pollock painting that actually doesn't look like shit. It's, uh, <laughs> it works out somehow and you're right Bowie is strategic and he uh, he does more you know he does more shading than than uh, Freddie does in uh, in this song and it works perfectly yeah yeah the uh, the lyrics are very simple it, like you said it's about pressure a lot of it is like some very kind of vague references to homelessness um, there may or may not be a reference to like closeted LBGT uh, people uh, in it, but just, just generally like, you know, how hard the world can be um, and how you can't really like, you know, I, it's, it, it's very sunshiny, you, you know, despite all that, you know, if we can still believe in something, love, humanity, whatever, it's enough to get through the day. And um, you know, it's a very simple message, but it's nice. It's nice. And even yeah. the way it ends with the dun, 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 dun. And then just the snaps. Yeah. That's so elegant. So nicely done. It, uh, it, it it tells a whole story of some sort in just one song. It's, a, it it's kinda, like watching a whole movie. 
Yeah, it kind of feels like the song is supposed to be like one day. It like mm-hmm. it's like pressure and it's all intense and it's building up and then, you know, it somehow gets to a point where you know, you're you kind of let go and you you're like relaxing and then it just kind of fades out and then it's supposed to just start over all over again the next day type of thing. I don't know, it's kind of this weird you clock out and you have a beer on your porch as the sun goes down. Yeah. And you snap your fingers like every grown man does. <laughs> and then, you know, it's true. you listen to the song again because it's actually a good thing it was a, a, a single because it is very uh, repeatable. You could put this one on repeat and listen to it for about two hours. Oh, yeah. By the, by the time it's done, you're like, ah, I can do this again. That was a good, that was a good time. <laughs> a little supplemental material to this song. Um, after Freddie Mercury died at that tribute show that you were talking about, Steve, there is a really fantastic duet <clears throat> to this song with Bowie, and Any Lennox is sitting in for the Freddie part. And um, I mean that that woman has crazy range, and the performance is just fantastic and very sweet. It's wonderful, wonderful. Um, there is a there is like so many remixes to this song. Um, I'm just going to talk about them really quick. Uh, Ryan, I don't know if you know any of these. I know you're the super fan here. Um, when they put out their Queen put out Greatest Hits Volume 3 in, I think, the early aughts, they did something called you the Raw Mix. New York is dangerous because you read that way you may. Even the blind man could see that's not so. which is all the isolated scatting and then some like nineties techno drums in it. Um, It's very (sighs) scat heavy. I may have heard that over at Tin Set's house. He, he has, I think all of those greatest hits albums. Um, I'm not a big fan of remixes when it comes to like, I'm a, I'm a fan of like, you know, I like uh, like further down the spiral, that kind of stuff. (laughs) When it comes to under pressure, I don't need a remix of it. No, thank you. It's kind of like David Bowie's f- fame remix. It's like, man, it, I didn't, I don't need Why? it. You know? Why? Yeah. 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 If, if you want to know what, if you wanted to hear, like, there's all this scatting that didn't make the cut, like, walking through the streets of New yeah. York. That, that's all in there if you want to find it. So oh, good. enjoy. I know. Um, there's, something called the, <laughs> there's something called the Mike Spencer mix. Um, it's it's a little bit more distorted and heavier on the low end. Um, it's palatable. It's very it's structurally exactly the same. Um, anyways, uh, there's that. Uh, you know what? What's great? There is a Mr. Mix remix by the Two Live Crew. Uh, <laughs> but I can't find this. It exists, but I I, I looked. Uh, Wikipedia says it exists. I can't find it on YouTube. I can't find it anywhere. Yeah. 
Eat it up. Can use this uh, rap breakdown as a quick reminder to visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash pod like a hole. Leave us a digital tip where we can do things like buy new microphones, headphones, or scour the internet for two live crew remixes. If a listener out there has the Mr. Mix remix of Under Pressure that was supposed to be on the 92 Hollywood recording compilation, Basic Queen Bootlegs, please, I'm dying to hear it. Uh, the Brazilian electro house group Lazy Kiss did a remix. Uh, in 2013, that is is fine if that's your genre. It's not mine, but it exists. But I think the creme de la creme of remixes uh, came out in 2017 by Neil C. Sierra. Uh, he had an album called Mouth Mood, which is all mashups. And he had a song called Mouth Pressure, which was the vocals to Under Pressure. And, or I'm sorry, the music to Under Pressure and the vocals from All Star by Smash Mouth. guys know okay, that i can get behind that song goes with every song like there's something about it like i've heard <laughs> it over like radiohead's creep like that song you can mash up with anything i think the the key signature is so vague that it can go with anything so it actually does work just fine <laughs> mouth pressure <laughs> so there you go and we'll drop a clip of mouth pressure here because we have to Contractually. All right. That's all I got on the, 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 the potpourri of under pressure remixes. (laughs) Glad that we stopped you there. Well, (laughs) I think that's uh, that's that's about all we can bleed from this wonderful sounding stone. So we're gonna sign off. Ryan, I, I appreciate you. We appreciate you making time to join us tonight. Thank you what for I, having me. What what it you know? It's not that late yet. It's ten a.m. Uh, ten p.m. Ten p.m. What do you what are you gonna do when you uh, get off the uh, the microphone here? Well, I'm probably going to watch an episode of Lock and Key and retire. There you go. I You just reminded me that there to do. I, I, I need to finish it. I, got, I think I had three episodes left. Yeah. Uh, I'll, get to, I'll get to that. Ryan, I think you, uh, me, and Steve are going to see a concert next weekend. We are. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty excited. Youth Code. Damn We're going to the Youth, Youth Code, Code concert. That's right. Yeah, baby. Yeah, yes. Refuse really are playing, too. Snuck up on that's me. next. Right. It's next Sunday. Yeah. Next Sunday. Next I mean, Sunday I'm, yeah. I'm pretty jazzed. Pretty jazzed. Yeah, Ready me for too. Some screaming, some screaming, and some synths. Oh man, stuff. they are amazing. <laughs> and opening for refused, and you know, uh, I'm, I'm sure we might be the only few people going saying we're going for youth code, but we're all going <laughs> to stay for refused. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. Refused is great. Yeah, they're a good band. All, all right, that is it. All right, guys. Uh, well, thanks. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, thank you for joining us. And uh, to quote uh, the founder of this program, we hope that Freddie Mercury brought you closer to pod. <laughs>